Well, we're here at the Convene offices in Southern California, and I'm just delighted that my friends Mark Vincent and Daryl Passwater, two men that I love and respect, have joined us uh, in the studios. Thank you so much for coming. Welcome. Glad to be here. You guys are here because you've been on a similar journey, and it's a journey that I've thought about a few times because it's a journey that most people don't go on. It's a journey where you've lost your spouses. And um, Daryl, uh, Marilyn went home to heaven about a year and a half or so ago after a long uh, battle with illness. And Mark, uh, Lori, I think about eight or so months ago after a multi-year battle with uh, disease, succumbed and is in heaven. And it was a tough journey and uh, yet, I don't want to focus on the journey today. I think we can all recognize that a multi-year battle with any disease where we lose a spouse is um, difficult, horrendous, gut-wrenching, all things that are not enjoyable in any way, shape, or form. But Daryl, you were my chair for many years, and you used to say, go home tonight and love your spouse Tell her you love her, hold her hand, take her for a walk, and I kind of want to go on that journey a little bit. So maybe you could just give us each a thumbnail sketch of uh, what happened in your stories of losing your spouse. Well, <clears throat> Marilyn and I uh, were married for 42 years, but about 10 years before her um, departing to go to heaven, uh, she got cancer, stage four metastatic breast cancer, and um, did surgery, chemo, radiation, Went through the whole thing and, and uh, a lot of good things of extending life, but it was a lot of consequences and a lot of attention. And uh, I was fortunate. Um, we had a marriage that was just really healthy from stem to stern. And I didn't come from a family, so she, at age 16, we started dating and dated for six years and were married for 42. And so I cherished every day, Greg. I mean, every day was a pleasure. And um, if she was ever, ever a difficult it was either she was tired or hungry and those were easy to take care of mm -hmm. but um, I loved her deeply and she loved me and I was so thankful for God every day so in short um, it was just every day was joy I mm -hmm. mean not without challenges there are tons of challenges we have kids as mm -hmm. you know you have five mm -hmm. I only had two but um, every day was a joy just to be in the presence of another godly person I, I use the term she was an angel not that she was perfect but she had a commitment to serve God, love people. Mm. Uh, she never thought about herself. She thought about other people. And I just felt like, what a joy. So we had a great marriage and two great kids. And they're, they're, my kids love God, love their spouse, and love being a parent. So it's it's kind of carrying on. Yeah. Yesterday actually was her uh, would have been her 66th birthday. So that was an interesting uh -huh. day because the kids found some ways to honor her. I thought yeah. that was really cool. So that's indicators wow. of some good things. But um, 10 years later, she um, had it turned to bone cancer and she succumbed. And I'm really thankful because she was in a lot of pain. And, and you never want to see a loved one be in extended chronic pain. Yeah. Never once did she complain. Uh, and I read in her journal something really interesting. Uh, about three months before she went to heaven, um, she wrote in her journal, she got up one night, praised God, because she found a spot on her body that didn't hurt. Hmm. Wow. And I asked her the question, um, how do you get through all this? And her response was, all the great hymns of the faith that I, we've sung huh. and all the great Bible verses that we've memorized are better than any pain medication. Wow. So uh, uh, it was difficult, obviously, uh, going through that process. But uh, let me just say two things real quick. Um, along the way, I came to a conclusion that Marilyn really was not my wife. She was God's daughter. Wow. 
that helped change my perspective a bit. And I thanked God for the 48 years instead of cursing, you know, why don't I have longer? Because mm -hmm. how many people get 48 years in a really healthy, mature relationship in Christ? Um, so I, I really thank God for that. And then the scripture verse that came to my presence that I, I really meditated on, reflected upon, was um, it's quoted out of uh, Isaiah that Paul in 1 Corinthians says, many of us are well aware of it, but the, when I think about it all the time, it's, it's profoundly impactful in my life. Mm -hmm. And that's, no eye has seen or ear ever heard or mind ever conceived of what God has prepared for those who love him. Hmm. And I kind of take that seriously, so it's been helpful to get through that process because I know God's got something great for her, mm -hmm. something great for me. It's just not going to be the same on earth. Hmm. Uh, is that coming close to answering your question? Well, yeah. I, it seems so often that the daily gets us to be blinded to eternity, and we think about how the dinner got burned or we're late. I was somewhere in the last few days where a husband and wife were walking into a meeting that we were together at and they were obviously frustrated. I came in and they were frustrated and he said, you know, she's always late. And um, I think that's a confusion between temporary and eternal. I'd take her late any day today. Huh. <laughs> absolutely. Wow. Yeah. Mark, no, no question yeah. about that. Uh, absolutely. Um, so Lori and I would have been married 32 years tomorrow. Wow. And so that, I feel the weight of her absence right now a little mm. bit because of that. Uh, half of that time, uh, we battled a very rare disease, a very rare form of cancer. There were no five-year survival rates for it, and she way outlived it. And I would say the last half of our marriage, the last 16 years, were way better than the first uh, we often determined, um, talking it through, that if we could start over again, we wouldn't unless we could take what we had learned with us uh, to that front end uh, because we learned about what matters. We learned uh, how to uh, budget time for the things that matter, mm -hmm. how to not sweat small stuff anymore, uh, how to not let those things get in the way, how to say no to all kinds of things that would just uh, be time robbers in life to mm -hmm. say yes to the right things. Uh, because of how it distilled our priorities. Uh, Lori's disease was one where almost any protocol they engaged was experimental, to try something. And Lori got a sense early on and became something we shared very deeply that this was a way of participating in the sufferings of Christ. Uh, she would often quote the verse that, by his stripes I am healed, by my stripes others might be healed. Uh, because then it could be learned. Uh, uh, there would be information that would change the course of treatment for other people who came along in the mm -hmm. wake of her, her life because she became a bit of a case study for this form of disease. And um, that also began to distill how we saw our relationships with other people, what mm -hmm. we would engage, how we would care for children and grandchildren and, and friendships. And so that became mm -hmm. uh, a hallmark uh, for us of that kind of care for the relationships because there were so many other things we could not do uh, and be able to hold it together. Mm. Talk a little bit more about what matters. You said you and Laurie talked about, you distilled down to yeah. what matters and things like time. Yeah. What, what was some well, of that? Well, Laurie in particular was a business owner, a crack administrator, and deeply respected by her peers, and they often learned lessons from her. We all did. 
she was a real force in many ways, and and she would she would uh, if asked to serve on a board or to join an organization, she'd start asking things like who's in charge, what's mm -hmm. the criteria for success, when will the work be done? Oh, mm -hmm. if you don't know those answers, no, thank you. Mm -hmm. uh, and she would actually use that in a very gracious way, but as a way to steer those things not to just fill slots, not just to be busy, but to be purposeful, to be impactful, to mm -hmm. make a difference. Otherwise, go home and read to your children. Go home and take a walk with your spouse. Go home and learn to make some new kind of a dish because mm -hmm. then you are investing in, in relationships. So if you're going to be called out of that to do some kind of work, it better not be busy work. It better not just be purposeless uh, just running off and doing it so that it makes you feel better about yourself so that you can say you're doing important things. Mm -hmm. um, I, I, we were often asked, uh, well, what difference does this make in your life now that you've got a disease? And we would say, with a smile on our face, we've learned that if there's anything that you need to take care of, you better go take care of it. Mm -hmm. better t you better get it right, better get the relationship at peace, better apologize. If there's some adventure you want to go on, you better go do it because time robs us of everything in the end. Yeah. Uh, except our hope in heaven. So yeah. get busy. Wow. Wow. Daryl, uh, the things that you learned in the journey with Marilyn in the illness part of the journey, if you had to take those lessons into the early part of the journey, what would they be? Well, um, we spend every moment encouraging one another to see God and to be a part of his ministry. So I don't know that we there's much I would change. It just got better. It just mm -hmm. intensified. We understood each other better. Um, Merlin had an incredible ministry of ministering to people with emails, with scripture, and, and uh, 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 nice quotations and uplifting kinds of things or books that she's read. And, and it got really fun that we would both do that together. Mm. And she was gifted, every word in an email was important to her to help that person see God. And so I guess what I'm saying is we just spent a lot of time refining that together and that became incredible joy. And that's what's been a hallmark of our relationship by giving to other people. Mm. And so I think we just got better at it as we got older. So I'd say, I wish I knew back then yeah. how to do it better, but... Uh, yeah. It was just fun to try to minister to people in a way that was hopefully helpful to them huh. through the, the Word of God. So many uh, CEOs, leaders of companies, are under the pile of the pressure of the finances, the pressure of the people, the pressure of the, you know, the earnings statement that isn't quite the way it should be, and they, they go home at night frustrated. Uh, what would you say to that person out there who's listening who right now is... Um, frustrated under the pile of the business they're about to get in the car and drive home how would you reorient their thinking to what you've learned from the journey now where you don't get to go home to your spouse tonight what would you say to them I go first go ahead I'm formulating a thought here yeah. <laughs> great question um, well First of all, um, when I would be working and faced a lot of challenges, I would come home trying to make sure that I was not providing that work information to my sp family, my wife and family, because I, they wanted my energy. They didn't want my burdens. 
And uh, so we kind of had a, a statement. We were pretty good parents till nine o'clock at night, and after that, we became terrible parents. So you mm-hmm. better figure out to if you have concerns and issues. Let's mm-hmm. do it before nine o'clock because we just got tired. So we would really engage in non-business activities because we enjoyed the family life. Yeah. And it came to be a, just a, a simple matter of trusting God. A- am I going to trust Him that I can work for eight hours or ten hours or whatever it was, and I'm going to give my attention to my family and yeah. I was going to listen? I kind of have the thing: if a, if my children ever asked me or said something to me, I gave it full attention because I concluded very early on if I start ignoring them. Eventually, it'll condition them that they won't talk to me. Mm-hmm. Well, I have a 36-year-old and a 26-year-old, and I'm telling, happy to tell you right now, they like talking. And nice. anytime they talk, I listen because there's only so many times that's going to happen. And the same thing with Marilyn. If she had some concerns, my job was to minister to my family when I came home, not cont- carry on the business world. Yeah. And and just trusting God that it, it's it's, it's going to be balanced. Mm-hmm. We're going to take care of it. But yes, I would do anything. I mean, my biggest loss is that I don't get to share with Marilyn the things that I'm engaged with in, not necessarily business technical things, but just how God's working and what I'm struggling with. Again, typically it would be after the kids are gone, but now they're out of the house. Um, So that's a powerful loss to not be able to share intimately with one person the things that she would understand that I'm engaged with encourage me she'd ask me powerful questions are you sure that's the right thing to do you know those kinds of things Mm -hmm. and I saw God through her I listened to God through her and even though she didn't have any formal business training like your wife um, but Mark but but she had godly wisdom so I missed that and I, Mm -hmm. I would say to all these guys your spouse is listen to him you know share whatever's appropriate the level in the right way but listen to them and share with them and listen to them. I'd always ask Marilyn, what did you learn today? What did you read today? So it was a two-way street. And we were constantly engaged with each other. Didn't have the TV on hardly at all in our life. It was about how do we encourage and stimulate one another, as the scripture says, mm. to love and good work. So just those two questions that you just laid out are interesting questions I think most people don't ask. What did you learn today? So instead of coming home and saying, oh my gosh, I had a terrible day, this, 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 this happened, and are you kidding? We're not going there for dinner. Let's go somewhere else. You might say, ask the question, hi, what did you learn today? Absolutely. Yeah, we were always going forward. How do we get better, a little bit better every day? Um, I felt as though my role was to encourage her to grow. Wow. By challenging her. We, by the way, she was much smarter than I was. So she would read a, a Christianity Day article or she re, she's reading books. She consumed everything. And I was fortunate enough that I just piggybacked on her intelligence. I said, what did you learn today? Well, I was really learning. Mm. And, and, uh, and then we would have engaged conversation about it. Mm. Um, that was 10 times better than anything that would be on TV. Mm. Um, so mm. We just constantly tried to help each other grow. Yeah. Mark? I'm thinking of three items. Uh, one was uh, a number of the mentors in my life, including my father, um, taught me that my wife's beauty, her happiness, her sense of well-being was directly attributable to me and my actions and my treatment of her. Hmm. So it was literally you put the woman on your, in your life up on a pedestal and you care for her, and if she's not happy, um, it's your fault. So that became a almost like a rule of life kind of piece for me. And I'll touch about rule of life in a moment. So that, the idea of this is a work of art 
this is a sculpture. This is not something where I shape her, but I can sure harm her shaping. Mm-hmm. So I better give it my best. Mm-hmm. That was really driven in deeply to me and uh, something I hope I've passed on to my son uh, as well as he is mm-hmm. now married and becoming a father. A second piece is that anxiety, frustration is nobody's friend. It is nobody's friend. And if that's the state of being that a person finds themselves in, they better take a real hard look at what's going on with them mm-hmm. and find some kind of rule of life that helps them find balance and integration so that they are not on all the time. No machine and no human body is designed to redline 24-7. There has to be time to restore, to gather strength, to be able to surge forward for a time in order to then rest. And if that's not happening, um, I don't know who else will govern that other than the individual because oftentimes company boards won't do it, senior team leaders aren't going to do it. There, there has to be this sense of getting that rhythm right and getting help if it's not there. A good executive coach, a good mentor, uh, a, a, coll- a collegial or, or a peer kind of relationship. That's one of the things that, of course, convene teams provide in that peer-based advising mm-hmm. space. So that's, that's a real important piece. Uh, the, the third item I was thinking about goes to your point, Daryl, and that is um, to ask questions before you make statements. Mm-hmm. And not leading questions, not questions that are designed to draw somebody out so you can pounce, but to really work at being curious. So before anybody says anything, before I say anything, I want to ask three to five questions that have nothing to do with anything I'm thinking about but draws that person out, finds out who they are, helps me engage with them, and if I, if I am still feeling that kind of anxiety, I better check my breathing. <laughs> Take good, yeah. deep breaths so that I'm not saying the first thing that comes to my mind uh-huh. all the time, which is often more reactionary rather than caring. Uh-huh. So creating the space in order to be curious about that person and to offer the care that I'm pledged to bring becomes a very critical skill to develop. Hmm. If I may just add one thing. Yeah. Are you done? I'm done, yeah. That it's important, for I think, for us husbands to bring our wives into, for us to get great godly counsel, we have to set the table, drip on them, let them know, mm-hmm. provide them, ask for their wise counsel, um, not necessarily a response right now, but a, a thoughtful one. I had the most incredible trusted advisor on planet Earth. She knew me, mm-hmm. she knew my limitations, and guys, if I'm talking to guys that are challenged with their spouse, Take time to build into her, breathe into her, develop her, develop that talent. She's got a lot of talent. God gave you that special person. And if she knows you as well as, as anybody, then wait for God to use her to speak into your life. And just even just setting boundaries. Again, Marilyn didn't know technical details of any financial sheets, but she would ask the right question for me. Mm-hmm. And, and I wouldn't even be required to give her a response. But the question stopped me and kept me in bounds to make sure that I was doing that which I should be doing, and also, conversely, what I shouldn't be doing. Mm -hmm. I had the greatest trusted counselor in the world, but it took years to develop that, and that comes from those questions that that, that breathing into. I like your term, drawing out, because that's that's really the word education. You're drawing out from somebody instead Mm -hmm. of stuffing in. Mm -hmm. And I had the privilege of a wife who was interested, who cared about me, wanted me to do well. Folks, where can you find that? Mm, but yeah. through a trusted, loving relationship. Yeah, yeah. Develop it. How about uh, talk to the person who would say right now, um, I am so frustrated with the things that 
she does that drive me crazy. Um, she forgets things. I tell her to do something and she forgets it. She, she actually doesn't like to, uh, you know, go golfing with me. She doesn't like whatever. She's not good at this. She's always too forceful. She, she laughs too loud. It's driving me crazy. What would you say to that person out there who's frustrated beyond belief and saying, I'm just focused on all this stuff and she's driving me mental. I'm, I'm smiling and probably um, laughing at least inwardly at how much after a spouse is gone uh, that you did not want to lose, that you would welcome that plus new idiosyncrasies uh -huh. uh, because those things just don't matter. Um, and that would be one of the key aspects, I would say, where the second half of my marriage, with disease being in the household, was better than the first half because those things ceased to matter. It introduced mm. stuff that you couldn't control, that you, you had no, no, um, no ability to, to do anything different but accept if you were going to go on together. So uh, odors and what it does to disfigure a person and all of those things mm -hmm. that are so – we would – see as important, they become so shallow. Yeah. This becomes so shallow because then you start to, if you're going to make this work, you're connecting more soul to soul yeah. than to beauty to beauty, right? Uh -huh. the, the, those, those external things just cease to not matter. I found myself uh, with Lori over the years, uh, whenever there's one of those little funny things that she would do, it became a chance to go show her affection, like an invitation to go show her affection, or... Uh, an invitation to pray for her hmm. and to treat them as that as opposed to triggers of, oh, I don't like that. Mm -hmm. So I, I actually, I think by God's grace, learned to recondition my thinking uh, with some practice to, to make it that way. So when she mm -hmm. did her little funny thing with her uh, finger on her upper lip like this, that became an invitation for me to go give her a kiss mm -hmm. as opposed to say, oh, Take your hand away. You would know, you that stop kind of doing that? Yeah. Instead of saying, would you stop that? Yeah. You would say, right. you would do. Right. And isn't a it a silly thing to think that this is an irritating habit? Yeah. But, you know, why would I have thought that? I mean, it just for that to just disappear and to become something fun and lighthearted yeah. took work on me instead yeah. of work on her. Yeah. That'd be an example. Huh. Daryl? Two things. One, when Marilyn was uh, in, a, in a space that perhaps she didn't want to be. My first response was that there's a need there, and can I, her husband, address that and help her? Point. Instead of being irritated, she had a need, and she has a need, and how can I, and maybe get her a cup of tea, um, you know, or anything. Whatever, whatever I could do when she was low, my job was to help her get out of that low. Second thing is, people think this is funny at some level, but uh, I put on my calendar twice a year to intentionally ask her the question, what do I do to cause you stress? Hmm. So your, your descript, description of all those idiosyncrasy things that might cause some problems, we kind of caught early on. And, um, and so I'd say, what do I do that cause you stress? Mm -hmm. And so, by the way, I don't like uh, unrequested constructive criticism, as someone would say. <laughs> I, I love when I ask for it. It's the same coin, but different sides. And I, I find myself, my own limitations, if I ask for constructive criticism, I receive it. If I'm not asking for it, I don't tend to like it. So I preempted it, and I would go, what do I do that causes you stress? And 
generally speaking, it was not anything big. And then at the end of that discussion, uh, and I would commit to trying to not do that. Um, it might be something like, my wife is a deeply reflective thinker. And sometimes I would ask her a question uh, that's also known as interrupting mm -hmm. <clears throat> when she's not finished with a thought. And, and one time she said, you know, just let me finish. And I go, great. And so we didn't get to the big things. It didn't get, to, it didn't mount up because we nipped it in the bud, as one would say. And, and so I felt good about receiving constructive criticism. And she would in turn say, what do I do to cause you stress as, as a flip? And um, fortunately for me, she didn't have many that was problematic for me. And mm -hmm. I just, I like what you're saying. It's a, it's a little stuff. Um, but keeping it always in context, my job as her husband was to love her as Christ loved the church. I failed, but we would have a discussion about that. I would ask for forgiveness. There's times I didn't meet her needs. Um, not necessarily insensitive that I was being mean, but just focused on the wrong things, mm -hmm. uh, meaning not on her. Mm -hmm. um, so we all have needs. Mm -hmm. The question is, can we find a way to encourage one another or stimulate one another to love and good works? That was my calling. And I love what you just said here, Mark. I, it, that's our calling. And don't get married unless you were committed to that calling. I, I, one last thing real quick. When uh, we were poor, so we couldn't even go on a honeymoon when we got married. We were dirt poor. But the first day after our wedding, I got the dictionary out, and those are the days when you actually had a dictionary, and, and I, I went to the page that had D on it for divorce, and I tore it out of the dictionary, and I threw it in the trash can. I said, we don't have divorce in our dictionary. We are going to find a way to get through everything. Uh -huh. and, and it was kind of a, it was obviously a metaphor, but it was significant, mm -hmm. because we, divorce wasn't even in, it wasn't even in our dictionary, so we can't go that route. We, we're going to work them out. Mm -hmm. We're going to care for and listen to each other. Mm -hmm. The Bible talks about uh, we should be uh, not susceptible to criticism, uh, kind of like a dead man. And uh, I had this opportunity one time to be with my college roommate at an autopsy. And uh, the body was lying out on the table, and they were about to find the pathway of the bullet uh, because it was a gunshot victim. And they had these long rods on the wall, and they were they would get ready to put this long rod into where the bullet hole exited to find where it began. And crazy as it sounds, I was standing there going, "Oh, that's going to hurt," <laughs> but of course, it's not going to hurt at all. He's dead. But sometimes when Shelley, my wife, does something, it bugs me, and I'm obviously not acting like a dead man because I should be, according to the Bible like a dead man to being criticized, right? And so what were some of the things that you did to put your, uh, to take yourself off the throne and not be prone to criticism uh, in your relationship with your spouses? Hmm. Good question. Well, let me just contextualize it again. I had no family growing up. Mm -hmm. At age 16, I became a Christian. I met this young lady. Uh, we started dating and and we're committed to having a college degree before we got married, so it took us six years to get married because it was a junior in high school when we met. And, um, and so I had something strikingly contrast to compare, and I wasn't gonna jeopardize anything given that coming from nothing to something great, that's a comparison, mm -hmm. that's the context. Mm -hmm. And so um, it was easy for me. 
it was really easy. I had I, I was mega blessed by God. Mm-hmm. I haven't figured out why yet, but uh, so I, I don't think I'm in the normal range because a lot of people have healthy families and they just transition into marriage. I did. I had nothing, and I went from nothing to heaven. That's a pretty easy thing to do. There you go. There you go. Mark, any thoughts? My response might be just a little different in that Lori's journey with disease was very long, and it never relented. So 16 years of hunkering down to try and hold everything together, I think got us not to a place of of such seriousness that we were morose, but a certain level of, of grimness that everything mattered. Anything that we would do, anything we did not do would matter. And so um, it was hard sometimes to look up and look ahead and say, how can I do this better? Because there's sort of a hierarchy of need here, which was how are we going to get through today? How are we going to get through this week? How are we going to get through this month? Hold our family together, pay the bills, not accumulate medical debt, keep our kids happy. And that became the order of things. And so Mm -hmm. a lot of the stuff that might be habitual, that you say, oh, I can improve myself here, improve myself there. There wasn't a lot of space uh, to do that. I think we both became our best selves in spite of that uh, mm-hmm. to, to the degree that we were able to grow. But it was there wasn't a lot of space to be able to say, how am I doing and how is it for you? Uh, because it was, are we going to get the laundry done? Are we going to get the meals? Who's mm-hmm. going to pick up the kids? Will we have help while you're in the hospital for three weeks? And that does change the course of the conversation. So I consider it a luxury to be able to say, how am I doing? And if we don't take advantage of that, then we might just see one more way that we're being net takers. Uh And a lot of us, when we're in business, when we have major responsibilities, if we're not careful, we start to get things done through people. And we stop getting people done through those things, including ourselves. And so I, I just... In a way, I've, uh, you, you talked about how you went from nothing to something. I kind of see it that way. The, the opportunity to be able to say, I want to be better as a husband. I want to be better as a wife. Uh, I, want, I want you to know how much I cherish you. The luxury of doing that can go like that. Mm, mm, mm. Let me give you a concrete example, if I may. Okay. Um, Marilyn had uh, parents that provided for her, but her father was... Um, he was actually an artist who had to work in the aerospace industry, <clears throat> World War II person, had some challenges, and was not real kind. Uh, that's a nice way of saying he's pretty mean. Never was physically abusive, but just mean. And uh, they had they grew up in a one-bathroom home. And uh, little symbols, he would shave, us guys shave pretty much every day. He'd shave every day. And there were, he would leave hair in the, the bowl. And that bothered her because it was a reflection of how her father was. And early on in marriage, you know, I'd shave. There sometimes there'd be hair in, in the in the sink bowl, and uh, along the way, I ask her, "What do I do to cause your stress?" And she says, "Well, it just reminds me of my father." Every single day, the rest of my life of marriage to her, I made sure there was no hair in the bowl, so that that didn't push her button. Wow! It was a small act, yeah. but it was an act of what I thought was love because I didn't want to remind her of her father. Uh-huh. I wanted her just to not think about that. And though they reconciled at the end of their life in a good way, but again, the, her formidable years at home, it wasn't a happy camper. Yeah. I didn't want to remind her of that. Yeah. And so so that's just a little thing that I would do every day. Putting her first. I would try. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you guys, thank you so much. I wish we could talk about this for a long time, but we're kind of out of time. And I appreciate you spending time. I'm, I'm, uh, 
reminded of that C.S. Lewis um, quote from A Grief Observed where he says, uh, after his wife died, her absence is like the sky spread over everything. And uh, I know that you feel that and um, in the process of the absence of your spouses, you've helped us to think about what those whose spouse isn't absent uh, can do when they go home today. May I say one more thing? Yes, sir. I've read the book five times. Okay. I'd recommend reading it when your wife is alive. Oh, wow. Mm -hmm. It I is agree. so unbelievably powerful. Do not make the mistake of trying to read it the first half and not read the second half. You need to read the whole thing, um, really at one sitting, if you can. But that's something you should read when, when your spouse is alive. A Grief Observed oh, by C.S. Lewis. Powerful. Daryl Passwater and Mark Vincent, thank you so much for being with us today and taking time to travel from Wisconsin. Mark, we appreciate it, and uh, we look forward to seeing what the Lord might do with this time that we've had together. Thanks very much. Great to be here. Thank you.